0: Welcome to the Podcast Editor's Mastermind. This is episode 45 and I'm Brian. I'm just popping in for a second to let you know that in this episode, we're going to be talking about social media. Some of the things that are good about it, some of the things that are not so good about it, how it can serve podcast editors and what can happen when a podcast editor leaves social media or leaves Facebook. We're going to be joined by Chris Curran. We'll share a little bit more about him in a second. And I just wanted to let you know that We are really trying to double down this year on our live experience, on what happens with the group when we stream live. And we'd really love to see you there if you can join us. We stream live every other Thursday at 9.05 p.m. Eastern. And we'd love to see you there because we're really trying to build a community, really trying to build relationships, and really trying to put our focus there. We're glad to put this podcast out. We want you to be able to listen wherever you are. But if you're able to join us, we'd really love to see you. That's at facebook.com slash podcast editors mastermind, and with that, we're going to get right into it. Ah, uh,
1: um, so how much is that? Huh?
0: Um, to the podcast editor's mastermind. If you're joining us live, we are super glad to have you here. We would love to have your comments, your questions, your silly limericks in the chat. And if you're joining us for the replay or listening to the podcast, thanks for joining us. You can always experience the live event at facebook.com slash podcasteditorsmastermind.com. We would love to have you be here to be part of the community. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not podcast editors can leave social media. In other words, what happens if a podcast editor leave social media. And we have a special guest. We'll do that introduction in just a second. Actually, we'll go ahead and do that now. Chris Curran is joining us today. If you've seen the show before, you've uh, probably seen Chris. He's spoken at PodFest. He's the founder, the teacher, the all the things at podcastengineeringschool.com. He also has the podcast engineering show. And uh, I mean, he's just a great all-around guy to to have here introductions. I'm Brian Entzminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com and above me until one side or the other is...
1: <laughs> I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find
2: me at rothmedia.audio.
0: Cool. And Chris, I do want to say thanks for joining us. It's really great to have you here.
2: Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. It's great. I love talking to you guys.
0: Yeah. And this was kind of our sneaky way to accidentally get you back on social media without making you get onto <laughs> social media. <laughs> Actually, there was no ulterior motive there, but the reason we invited Chris on is because about a year, year and a half ago, Chris did leave social media.
2: I pretty much only left Facebook, but I started using some of the other platforms differently at the same time.
0: As we kick it off, why don't you just share that story, like why you did it and what you did?
2: Yeah, sure. So I was on Facebook since, I don't know, 20, 2009 or something, right? And then, um, And I had different pages for my different ventures and podcast engineering school was one of them. Everything's going fine. I mean, Facebook, like, like I, I'm not the type of person who's on social media all day messaging and posting and like, I'm, I'm not that kind of a user. I was more there, pretty much only there because I thought I had to be. And that was fine. And I posted stuff there. It was fine. But then after a lot of the craziness in the world started happening, I started to not want to trust these big centralized social media companies that have all this power and are censoring things. And there's a lot going on there. And in fact, I saw that movie. I think it's a movie or a documentary called The Social Dilemma, which is all about Facebook. And that shows you what's actually going on at Facebook and actually how social media is affecting our society. And it's really, really bad. Anyway, so when I decided to get off Facebook, I kind of wanted to get off completely. But then again, part of me was like, no, you should be there. Just post there. You don't have to open Facebook. Just post everything to Facebook, right? Makes sense. So what I did is I closed my main account and then I was able to download all my data and information for the past 12 years. It's a huge download because they allow you, they, they sort of, I think they have to allow you to download all your content. So I downloaded all that. That took like a day, even several days. And then my idea was to actually after I was off for about a month I tried to create a new account. And then I said on this new account I'm only going to put in limited information and then I'll just post there. But somehow either they knew it was from the same IP address they they somehow knew it was me and then they didn't then they just banned that account. And then I tried again from a different computer and they banned that one and I was like all right well I guess I'm off for good then. So
0: you mentioned you watched the social dilemma and that I struck a chord. I, I saw the, the show as well. Um, but as I think about the prospect of potentially taking all of my assets off of Facebook, not just the personal relationships, but also like the, the business accounts and all that stuff, there's a little bit of fear that goes, hey, if you do this, what's going to happen? Did you struggle with that at all?
2: I felt like I was missing Facebook for the first few weeks or maybe even a month. Like I kind of, it, it was weird not being able to log in and look around and stuff. I definitely felt that for a little bit, but then that just went away. And that's, then it's once you're away for long enough, then it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, you, you don't even think about it.
1: There's an addiction to dopamine that you get whenever you like you log in. It's like, oh, I have 20 notifications.
2: Right. That's really hard to give up. Withdrawal. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. I did have a little withdrawal, but that went away.
0: And uh, you, you kept some other accounts. Can you share a little bit about like what you did keep and why you kept it?
2: Oh, yeah. So the other other social media like Twitter and Instagram, for instance, I kept my accounts there. I would love to be off of those platforms as well. But again, I just post there. I don't really hang out there too much. That's how I look at social media right now, because right now the world is changing in terms of, again. These big social media companies that started around 2005 and now they're fully mature. And it's a centralized model of data, really, and business. And the world right now is actually in the midst of a shift towards decentralized platforms and decentralized apps. And so, what that means is that there's no one owner. You know, it's like Bitcoin nobody owns Bitcoin. There's not one computer that runs Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, Network, And so now there's a lot of social media applications coming up that are built on the blockchain that are decentralized that, you know, they still have some rules and stuff, because obviously there are things you just shouldn't post and can't post. But as far as like people being banned for their political opinion or or things like that, that doesn't happen. So the new world of social media, that'll probably I don't know how long it's going to take to mature. And I don't know how long it's going to take for a lot of people to get off Facebook and go to some of these new platforms. It's going to take a while, right? It's definitely, it's not going to happen overnight, but someday with this web three, I don't know if you heard about web three, it's all about people being in control of their own data and that I, it's up to me to give permission to you to use my data. It's not that you just get all my data and you could do whatever you want and you could sell it. It's changing, but it's going to take a while.
0: So I've got a a relatively large Facebook group for the Hindenburg users group. I don't know, 900 members, something like that. And I've thought about pulling that group off of Facebook. Cuz so I've had a couple of people reach out to me and go like, "Hey, you're the only reason I'm still on Facebook or, you know, I'm planning to leave for whatever." And these are these are people whose relationship matters to me, not just that they're a member, but like this is somebody I know and I would want to keep them around. And I thought like if I were to move one, where would I move people there? And two, Because it's a new location, how do I get people to go and, in quotes, check their inbox, right? Because the value for me as a group owner in Facebook is that people are going there already. So it's like setting up my shop on the the town square, so to speak, as opposed to having uh, a shop out in the middle of nowhere that people have to remember to go to. And I'm like, I don't know how to cross that bridge because I would love... To be able to have that group be my own and have it someplace where I control all the things, not like in a weird way, but like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm in control. No, not that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to bridge that
2: gap. That's the weird phase we're in right now. It's easy to understand if you think in terms of YouTube. Think of YouTube. YouTube has become such a bad place for free speech. There's so many things being banned off YouTube. It's silly, actually. So there are now these other platforms like Odyssey and Rumble and BitChute, and others that are great. But there's not a lot of people over there compared to YouTube. So it is hard to get people to move. That's a fact. Even people who have big audiences on YouTube, and they continually encourage people to go to these other platforms, follow me on Odyssey, follow me on Rumble. A lot of people do, but most probably don't. So it is hard to get people over there. And the other issue I just thought of is that Facebook and YouTube and Twitter They work really well. They really are the best products in the market. Yeah. They are because of their success, because of their development, because of the money they can put into it. There's a million reasons why, but they really are the best in terms of how they work and function. So you go to these other platforms and they don't work, you know, it doesn't work as well. And then people get frustrated with that. So it's just, it's natural.
0: There's so many directions I want to go, right? Because I can see immediately also a connection between, YouTube versus a podcast, right? And the fact that there's an RSS feed that you own and people can listen where they want, right? So I kind of want to go there, but that's not what this show is about. <laughs> so I'm thinking about that podcast editor that they're going, okay, cool. Like, I'm not sure that I like where this is headed either, but where am I going to find my clients? Like, this is where I hang out. This is where I try to prospect. Did, did it affect your business to leave?
2: I don't know actually because I'm not very good at marketing and I'm not very good at metrics either evaluating my effort online in terms of dollars that come through the door like I've never known that answer is that wrong am I a bad person for that I don't know maybe but I just I don't know I don't know how to do that like look if someone for instance if there's a podcast editor that is getting all their business from Facebook then don't leave Facebook <laughs> like you know what I mean like Sorry, there's a practicality to this as well. Whatever's working, you might want to keep that working and may, you might want to build something on the side or figure out something on the side while you're continuing to earn an income. Yeah,
1: that's a bit what I did because I have, like Brian, I have a a group for Reaper and like it started on Facebook and then I kind of grew out right into a YouTube channel. Seems like I'm hitting all the uh, the big bad guys. But then I had people on YouTube comments saying that like, they don't have Facebook they suggested other platforms. Like I've then expanded into, I have a subreddit as well as I use a community feature on YouTube and the Facebook group. Um, Cause Reddit and YouTube is a little more public. So you don't want like, to actually like have to join this private group and everything. And as I also point people to Tom Kelly's discord for people that are on discord. So yeah, like I am trying to diversify so that way people can connect and get the same information
2: wherever they're at. That is a definitely a good strategy. And and yeah, it's a pain in the butt, right? It's just that that <laughs> a lot more, it's effort. just a pain. We're in the middle of some transition. And again, for all the good, the big social media platforms have brought us. There's definitely bad that comes along with that. And, and by the way, you said when you started talking just now, Daniel, you said like, oh, I'm, I'm still on all the bad boys or something <laughs> like we all are really, right? yeah. We're all there.
0: We're streaming to one right now.
1: We
2: get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's okay. It's We're there.
1: I know for me, like, kind of off topic, but just like how I handle social media these days is when I am on Facebook, it takes effort, but trying to avoid my timeline, my feed, because that's where, like, I get sucked into the negativity. Like, I see posts from, like, the politicians that I'm constituent of and, like, seeing the comments and, like, the negativity and, like, the hate and, like, all the... Yeah. Negativity. Like it really sucks you in. It's like it takes effort to like stay away from that. And I I tried to focus on just staying in the groups because then I can choose what groups I'm in. I can curate my own experience. I
0: think as a content creator also, right? So there's, there's the one side, which is the consumption. And I'm probably the poster child for the person that does all the wrong things. I scroll the timeline. I I have all the like I have it on my phone. I even have notifications turned on for some of them, like all the wrong things. But then also as a content creator, I'm wondering like, Chris, to your point as far as like measuring things. I have a little bit of trouble measuring the ROI of what I do. And I'm wondering, like, are there strategies that you've been able to use, Daniel, that make you feel like you're being effective with social media for less time?
1: I can definitely say that there is a benefit into avoiding my timeline because I don't get sucked into the time waste aspect of it. Because it's really easy to be like, you know, I'm feeling kind of down from editing. Let me just take a quick break, scroll Facebook for a little bit, and then I'll get right back to it. Cut to an hour later, I haven't done any work, but now I'm like deep in my feelings about whatever I've been consuming on Facebook. So there's definitely is the a benefit of like avoiding that time suck. But as far as a business, so I've never gotten clients off of Facebook or social media. It's always been word of mouth through my current clients. And I've been very fortunate to be able to build my business that way, that I don't need to rely on social media. What I rely on social media for, namely, Facebook, well, YouTube to host the videos because that's what they do. But like on Facebook is being able to share my knowledge. So I do get joy out of like helping other podcasters, and especially helping steer them in the right direction, such as don't buy a Yeti because you probably don't have the space for it. Um, and just helping other podcasters that are starting out. And then also using that to kind of promote my for podcasting universe, whatever.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because this is something that I've been thinking about because I spend a lot of time in the groups answering questions and really trying to provide not just by this microphone, but like, this is the thought process that I went through. Like, this is how you think about this thing. And I'm wondering, like transparently, am I being stupid by putting that on a platform instead of putting it on my own platform?
2: I think the answer you know. to that is definitely no. I think you made me Daniel think was of Gary yes B when you asked that question. <laughs> What's that?
1: Daniel was going to say, yes, you're being an idiot. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying it's probably not smart to only put it on Facebook. You can do more by putting it on your own, you know, property as well. as Facebook. I, I cut you off, Chris. I'm sorry about that.
2: No, no, just shit. Like, like, I remember in the early days of the Internet and social media, me and many other people were hesitant to share a lot of our knowledge online because it's like you just feel like you're giving it away. But guys who are the most successful, like Gary V, for instance, and many other people, they say share it all, like literally share it all. That never really made sense to me, but I guess it kind of does because you're putting stuff out there and you're getting into the world. And you're allowing like the universe to trickle your information to whoever needs it, and all that. Like it just eventually it it helps in many ways, probably even if we can't track it to you know a a source of revenue or something.
0: That kind of plays into an idea that I had because I've been finding myself getting a tiny bit worked up sometimes when I answer these questions for the five hundred thousandth (laughs) time, and I've been thinking like, what would happen if I started a podcast where I just kind of in an angry middle aged almost old man voice, answered these questions and said, no, this is not the way we do this. This, this is wrong. Um, and anyway, I would love that.
2: Just someone ranting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, but see, I don't actually want to be angry and I don't really want that to be my brand as like the angry guy, but there's part of me that's going, I don't know if people can, especially on social media where there's a zillion voices already, like, can people actually hear that quiet, assured voice that says like, just do it this way. Or do you have to yell into the abyss and go?
1: This is how you do it. That is something I struggle with all the time. One of my clients actually had this because she is an expert in her topic. So whenever she like shares on social media or like in her podcast, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Heather. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Heather said makes me think of Angry Man, get off my lawn. <laughs> oh yeah. But she goes like in depth and like gets really into the meat of her topic. But the people that are gaining followers and having you know growth are the ones that are like really surface level and so that's where i struggle with because like the voices that have the biggest impact are the ones that are like the loudest and the most self-assured not the person like you brian that's like here's all the things that you really need to consider not here's one answer
0: yeah and i think like the answer that i would like point to like everybody gives this answer by the ATR 2100 or by the Samson Q2U, which is an acceptable microphone. There's nothing wrong with either of those microphones. They're, they're fine microphones, but that's not necessarily the best answer because there are so many other things to think about. Anyway, I'm going to shut up about this because we're kind of going off on a bunny trail.
2: By the way, Johan wants to be your co-host on the Get, the Get Off My Lawn. Actually, you can't call it Get Off My Lawn. There's already a popular podcast with that name.
0: Two angry guys yelling. I love it.
2: <laughs> what if The Simpsons, the guy like angry man yells at clouds or something? <laughs> I think old man <laughs> yells at the clouds. Or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing about social media is it does allow us to stay focused and on topic, which is great and also not true.
2: <laughs> By the um, way, Brian, you could do that as a, a skit within your show. Just do like a minute of it. Just like, do a skit like angry Brian or something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, drama is not actually something that I enjoy that much, but yeah, and and Heather says, yeah, so many people misuse mics. The environment is so much more important um and it's was always, always overlooked. Totally agree Heather. In fact, that's some advice that I shared today was just, hey, yeah, the voice is important, but don't buy the mic for your voice first. Buy the mic for your room first and then choose the next option for your voice. Like don't use this microphone, the one that I'm using in an echo chamber because it's not the right microphone for that. It's just not. How do we get on this? This isn't even what we're supposed to be talking about. Daniel, would you reel me in? It's okay. This um, is real
1: life. It's about trying to stand out on social media. So, the value of social media is it good for your business or are we just wasting our time?
0: Yeah. So, I know that I've got one client that I got through social media, but it's actually not because I was constantly posting or anything. It was really because she saw the answers that I gave to a, a question in a group and she thought, this guy, Knows what he's talking about, probably because I went to Chris Curran's podcast, Engineering School. Shout out to Chris. (laughs) Um, And also because I had a website that had prices on it and told people what I got. Like it wasn't anything to do with social media other than the fact that that's actually just where we met. Chris, have you ever gotten, I don't know, do you get clients through social media or students?
2: Yeah, as far as clients, I don't think so. I think people have found my website, stuff like that, and also mostly referrals. My biggest client came from, they found me on LinkedIn. But yeah, as far as students for my school, I ask all of them when I have my initial meeting, how did you find out about me? A lot of it is just searching on the web. And then there's a lot of other things. It's, it's, it's you know, they saw a video or they saw on social media or or they got recommended. I mean, even Daniel, I think just recently someone who signed up said that they that they were in your group and oh, that nice. you had mentioned something about me. And it's like, that's how they found out. That's awesome. So thank you, Daniel. <laughs> I love it,
1: Daniel, do you ever get clients through social media? So, I think I've had one or two consult calls because my wife isn't she podcasts. so not in my business, I have gotten a couple of coaching sessions. So one of the things services I offer through Reaper for podcasting is coaching, so you can hire me to do like a one on one hour long session where I teach you how to use Reaper or help you solve whatever problem you're having. So I have gotten a couple sessions from social media that way, but as far as like clients in my business, uh, no.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Andrea says that she doesn't get her clients on social, but it is a validator for someone when they're referred to her. Uh, they'll check her LinkedIn or her, her Instagram. And then Heather says that she's only ever gotten clients from social media or as a referral from someone on social. So that's actually a little bit different than me. I'm like, I've had that one client And all the rest of mine came as referrals from other sources. That's really interesting, uh, Heather. I mean, to Chris's point, like if that's what's working for you, definitely, definitely don't take our advice and leave social. I'm probably not going to do it either, but it is something that I think about from time to time. Now, if people aren't getting their clients from uh, social, oops, sorry, Johan put one in there as well, a lot through LinkedIn. So Chris, I know you mentioned you'd gotten one from LinkedIn. I've never gotten a client from LinkedIn. Do you have any tips for me?
2: (laughs) Well, no, it's just someone searched for a podcast producer on LinkedIn. This was 2016. Okay. And they just found me. They actually found seven people and they interviewed seven people and they got seven uh, proposals and I was the lucky one who they chose. I think Andrea's point about just being on social because people are going to go look for you in a bunch of different places. And just that you're there and you're posting, that just makes you seem professional and uh, somehow trustworthy.
0: Yeah, that's actually the approach that I'm trying to take on Instagram, where I'm just posting things that I think are important for people to know that for me are reasonably on brand, but not really trying to grow my Instagram following. Although that would be great. I'd love to have however many people as good on Instagram. But frankly... I don't really like the platform that much. I just find it really easy to do a square image that has like seven <laughs> words on it that says, it's not just the microphone <laughs> or or whatever that is. Now, for people that are thinking, okay, well, if I were to leave social media, how would I source clients? I know, Chris, you've got a course for people who are interested in this. And this is part of why I wanted to talk to you tonight, not only because you left, but also you've got a course for people. Would you mind sharing like what that is and what's in it and all, all the stuff? Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I'm not going to do a whole sales pitch for the course. I'll, I'll just say, I'll just give you the the golden nugget right up front here. The idea is that if you're a podcast editor or a podcast producer and you want to get new clients, the biggest thing you can do is just introduce yourself to as many different people and businesses as you can. And I use an example, like if you could just walk down the street in your town and just go into every business and say, hi, my name's Chris. Nice story you got here. Uh, listen, I produce podcasts for a living. So I just wanted to introduce myself. And if so if you ever have questions about podcasting, hey, you got one resource. So that's it. I just want to introduce myself. Nice meeting you. Bye. And walk out the door. Like just literally just introduce yourself. And it could happen online as well. A lot of people do that on LinkedIn. They'll reach out to other people on LinkedIn. Personally, on LinkedIn, I get so many and really any social media platform, but LinkedIn, especially you get so many people who want to connect with you. And then if you accept them as a friend, they immediately just spam their sales pitch. And it's like, oh, it's so annoying. So don't do that. But just you just have to let people know you exist and that you're a podcast producer. And hey, in the future, if you ever have questions, I could be a resource. Maybe. Okay, good to meet you. Bye because I have actually experience in sales in my family's uh, roofing and siding business. I was doing sales for years and I took a bunch of really good sales courses. And all it is, is just talking to people. If you talk to enough people, you will build the business that you want to build. It's not a question. It's not debatable. It's not a question. You will. And that's the opportunity that we all have, is that we can each talk to people and introduce ourselves and the more you do that, the better your chances are. And it's especially important when you start to raise your rates because none of us want to work for, you know, 50 bucks an hour or 75 bucks an hour, or sorry, 50 bucks an episode. I
0: was thinking like 75 bucks an hour, I might be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> 50 bucks an episode is not enough for us. We're professionals, right? So if you want to get higher, higher paying clients, you got to reach out to those higher paying companies. And the way you determine who to reach out to in that sense, is you have to make sure they have a marketing budget. You have to make sure they're already spending marketing money to grow their business. They have to have money to spend, or else it doesn't make any sense to talk to them. (laughs) That's literally the one criteria.
0: I hear what you're saying, and we're going to deal with a little bit of my head trash now, so sorry about that. This is not intended to be Brian's counseling session, but I think some other people probably deal with this as well. The thought of going out, and I'll just say shake hands five times a day, or just pick a number, right? Is kind of overwhelming to me, not just the interpersonal part about introducing myself, but also trying to keep track of those relationships and building relationships. That really feels overwhelming to me because I don't get my energy from meeting new people. And I definitely don't get my energy from trying to keep track of five new relationships a day. Is that how it is? Or do you just need to reset me to like baseline?
2: No, no. That is very valid. Okay. Not all of us. I'm not that way either. I don't want to go do that either. That's not my personality. You know, the whole extrovert introvert thing like that's real. Some of us don't want to do that. Other people love that. Some people, they would love nothing more than to get in their car and just walk around and meet people and chit chat and talk. They love it. So I don't know. Maybe there's a way to get a little creative here. Maybe there's a way where guys like you and me could somehow partner with some other people who are the extroverts and who they do want to go out and meet people.
0: Yeah. Hey, Daniel, I think Michelle likes actual people. Do you think she'd sell my services for me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to convince her to sell mine first.
0: Oh, okay. I appreciate you saying that because like, when I hear you talking about going out and shaking all those hands, I picture in my mind a Chris who actually enjoys that, not a Chris that's going, well, this is what I need to do to build my business. And maybe the truth isn't one of those two extremes. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why I, for my smaller course, the getting new clients at higher rates Mm -hmm. in that course is a one week challenge. Every month we do a one week challenge or we can do, we don't always do it, but where for five days, you're going to focus on reaching out to X number of people per day, pick a number. doesn't matter. could be one person a day, but you're going to do it every day for five days. That's the new client challenge that I sort of throw out to students
0: other than me performing miserably at that challenge? Have you had anybody else take you up on that challenge?
2: I think a few people have done it. The thing is, the the Slack group where all the students are who purchased that smaller course, it's not very large. So there's not a lot of energy in there. So it's, again, look, this is how life works. Let me tell you. There's enough resources. There's enough training. There's enough training for you to be successful. There's enough people to help you. There's enough of everything. You have everything you need to be successful. You know why people aren't successful? Because they don't focus and persevere. Those two things. You got to focus and you got to persevere. Now, I'm not saying I'm great at that. I'm just saying that's what I learned. And when I've done that, it works. It's like with your focus, you could burn a hole through the wall. Metaphorically. You know what I mean? Seriously.
0: I was thinking that was going to be a bald joke there for a second. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that because I believe it as as well, right? That you know, we have what we need or we can get it. Like, I, I totally agree with you. And that focus, I think that brings us back to the thing about social media. For me, I know that social media can be a distraction. For you, Chris, having quit what is arguably the largest social platform in existence in history, what did that do for your business, your focus, your creativity, like what were the results? Good or bad?
2: Yeah. Well, it was good in terms of focus and and not wasting as much time for sure. And I say wasting, not that, not that time f- spent on Facebook is wasted time. It's not right. It can be if you overdo it. So Facebook's not all bad. The way Facebook is taking all your data and making money off you and also messing with your mind and, and coercing you and, and, brainwashing you with their agenda. That's all nasty stuff. That's nasty, nasty stuff. But as far as business goes, yeah, I, I did feel a little bit that I had, I had more time. My day was a little more free. I, I did feel something like that for sure.
0: This is the part where everybody gets to see behind the scenes. And I'm just like, this is great. I'm not quite sure where we should head from here. Cause I think there's <laughs> some more stuff, but I'm not sure what, where
1: to go. Uh, Daniel, did you have any thoughts? I'm just like trying to take it all in I'll throw that to the chat like anybody in chat like if you have your own experiences or if you have questions please let us know I guess i'll I will take it back to like the value of social media you know for some it's getting clients and then for like me it's kind of building my personal brand and podcasting setting myself up as like an expert because so that was one of my goals for like 2020 I think was to kind of build my reputation as like, the reaper guy for podcasting. And then also shaping the future of podcasting in one small way. So a lot of people are on Facebook. They go there to get help starting their shows. We can be like that voice of reason to kind of shape new podcasters into better practices and hopefully dissuade them from harming their own shows and just kind of of improving the industry one little bit at a time.
2: That's a great point. Another point I just thought of is that Okay, you can be on social media to try to get clients. That's one reason to be there. The other reason is just to hang out and talk with friends because here's the biggest thing that I started missing since I've been off Facebook. I haven't talked to you, Brian. I haven't talked to you, Daniel. I haven't talked to Steve Stewart. I haven't talked to any of you guys that we used to sort of message on Facebook and stuff. That still has an effect on me. I feel like I'm, I I really actually feel like I'm more separated from the entire industry. I feel that. That's one benefit of being on there.
0: I actually thought it was just me feeling separated from you. Like right. I figured Chris is oh, fine
2: because
0: no. Chris is, I mean, he's a rock star. So yeah, <laughs> um, we do have a couple uh questions from the chat that I think would be great to get to. Heather asks, should you hire a social media manager if social media is working for you, but you need more time to focus on your business? I have an opinion, but I'll kind of hold that and let Daniel or Chris, whoever wants to go first.
1: I will say I wish Carrie was here. Um, Unfortunately, Carrie couldn't make it tonight, but I think she either has or had a social media team who's basically just like, here's what we need, create this content and then we'll take care of it. So it's still your brain. It's still your intellect, but you just have somebody on the side, keeping you focused and letting you know what you need and just kind of helping you, helping direct you where you need to go. So what was the question? Should you have a social media manager if social media is working for you, but you need more time? Absolutely. I think anything in your business can be outsourced, almost anything or maybe anything. So I think in a past episode, I was talking about how there are like two ideas behind outsourcing. One, outsourcing things that you're an expert in that just isn't generating business or making money or whatever. Like your time is better spent elsewhere or outsourcing things that you're not proficient in. And so then you can hire somebody who's better at that than you are and be more productive than you could ever be. So like even if social media is working for you, you can still do social media, but just have somebody there to kind of... Having somebody supplement... So you can cut back and have somebody else supplement that for you so you can maintain the same kind of social media presence, but then also have more time to focus on other activities where your time is better spent.
0: Chris, did you have any thoughts
1: about that one?
2: I actually did. So I've never had a social media manager. I've never had anyone help me do anything on social media. But as you were talking, Daniel, I thought that, let's say I did hire a social media manager and they told me, look, you need to give me one piece of content every day. You know what? Now I would feel accountable, more accountable to myself that, hey, I got to do something every day. Whereas if I didn't have a manager and it's me, I'll be like, "Eh, I'll do it tomorrow.
0: Every day, I'll do it tomorrow. Totally. My opinion, I, I think to Daniel's point, there are a lot of things that can be outsourced to somebody. And to Chris's point, there's definitely value in having to provide something to somebody or at least provide them direction. I think the one thing that you can't outsource to a social media manager is building relationships. And this will kind of play into a couple of the things that came next, but I have a client where I've picked up creating some social media assets and scheduling them for him to publish, like to help promote his episodes. But I was really clear with him. Like, I'm not managing your social media. I will publish these for you. But social media is social and they need to be interacting with you. Like, I'm not Dove Soap trying to have a relationship with a million Americans, right? (laughs) I'm a dude editing a podcast for a guy. And this podcast is personal. People are sticking you in their ears. So this needs to be like, that's the part that I think you can't, Outsource? Can you outsource building community? Maybe if you have somebody helping you that's already part of that community, maybe you can outsource a portion of that. But it's if it's your community, I think you still have to build it because that's an extension of those relationships. And Andrea commented that she had just hired a VA who's helping her create audiograms for herself and her clients, and it's great. But she hasn't brought anybody in to help with strategy or actually scheduling. Andrea, that's something that I'm considering as far as like the scheduling part because. Not just for me, but also some of my clients, but I haven't gotten there yet. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm sorry. Every time we try to say your name, we get it wrong. Milamir. What other services apart from editing do you offer or call yourself a podcast producer? Or do you need to offer to call yourself a podcast producer? I'll kind of start this one off. I think podcast producer is a bit of a loose term and it's probably not super well defined because... We'll have some people that are coming from radio or TV who have one idea of what a producer does versus somebody coming from music who has a different idea of what a producer does. I call myself a podcast editor and a podcast manager. And I tell people that I help them produce their podcasts, but I don't put on my producer hat and determine for them content strategy. I don't help them source guests or anything like that. What I do is once they're done recording... If they want me to, I'll do all of the things all the way to emailing the guests and saying, hey, your episode is published. So scheduling, graphics, like I've got a small team that'll help me with that kind of stuff. But if you're wanting me to to help you define what your content strategy needs to be, I would come in as a consultant and help you with that. But I would not be your producer. I'm not going to decide who you're going to interview next. That's your call. What about you guys?
1: Yeah, for me, like a producer is more on the front end of the creation aspect. Like a producer needs to be somebody who has a vested interest or like an input into the direction of the show. Whereas like the editing is post production. Yeah, so I see them as like two different things. So to call yourself a podcast producer, is like you probably have to have input into the direction of the show or the content.
2: Yeah, and I agree with both of you. And I think each of us has to decide what to call ourselves. So you can pick whatever label you want to call your, you know, label yourself as. But I think inevitably when you talk to a potential client, you're going to end up, well, you you have to talk them through what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. And like, like, so you sort of spell out the whole thing to the potential client anyway. So what you call yourself is, I mean, pick a good name, pick a good uh, title, but inevitably you're going to have to talk it through with the potential client. Yeah. That's almost arbitrary.
0: That plays into what Andrea said in terms of, it depends on what you want to do, your skill set, and your client's needs, which immediately sends me off to Aaron Neville. I don't know much, but I know I love you. So as a podcast manager, I don't do much, but I do what I do very well. <laughs> so, like, and, and that's the thing, right? Do the things you're good at and don't try to build your business around things that you're not good at. It's okay to have those things in your business if you found a way to do them, but Don't make that your core offering. If you're a really good editor, be a really good editor. And if you want to add other stuff, great, but don't make that your core offering. And if it starts to distract or detract from what you do, maybe have that conversation with yourself. I can't tell you to stop doing it, but maybe it's time to rethink. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
2: Maybe angry Brian could tell them to stop doing it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Now now I've got to to put in my Dr. Phil voice. And that's like, I I can't even (laughs) do a Dr. Phil. I'm going to shut up now because this is turning into like two two drunk guys in a basement talking. <laughs> uh, what was the question again? Uh, what, what do you... Oh, I don't know.
1: Oh, so, like be an editor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, like I'm an editor. Um, that's where my skill set is. However, my clients also want show notes and transcripts. And that is not where my joy is. That is not where my skills are. Like I've tried to write show notes and I can do it. But it is pulling teeth. It takes me forever. And I just hate, hate every bit of it. So I hired somebody to write show notes for me. And so if a client wants show notes written, then I can work with this other person to get them done. Same thing for a transcript. I can hire a transcriptionist who can do it much faster, much more accurate than I ever could. And then like the ROI is there because then I can add a little bit on the top to offer that to my clients.
0: Yeah. And that's the approach I take as well. Right. I'm not, I'm an okay writer. It's not really my core skill. And so I've brought in a writer as well. Uh, I haven't brought anybody in for graphics yet, but that's probably it's graphics or VA. I'm not sure which one is next.
1: Yeah. Graphics is my next one.
0: Okay. And Chris, I don't recall for sure. Did you ever offer anything beyond just editing for post-production? Like, did you do all of the other stuff too? Like what was your business model?
2: Yeah, no, I, I didn't do anything else. So I would obviously produce the audio. And so my, my specialized offering was pretty much that I would be present during the recording sessions. I would actually engineer the recording sessions live, you know, get on Riverside or Squadcast. And, you know, my host shows up, my guest shows up or their guest shows up and I say, hello, hello, sound check, people. So running the recording session was kind of the thing that made me different from almost everybody, I think it still does. I don't know many people who do that. That's like a real kind of like a white glove service. And you could charge a lot more for that, obviously, because because mm-hmm. then you still have to do all the post-production, but you got to be there for the recording session, which is really great. I mean, being able to fix bad audio before you press the record <laughs> button. Oh, it's oh, great. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And your clients love it because then they can feel a little more professional. Cause I do that for uh, a couple of my clients and one of them, she just, she loves it because it just makes her, it kind of raises her status because like she has her own producer who handles everything. You don't have to worry about it. Plus like she doesn't have to worry about recording remotely. And this wasn't the
0: goal of my question, but as you were talking about that, I remembered one of your daily goodies recently was about your white glove service. I'll handle the recording session for you. So if you want to check out what Chris does, podcastengineeringschool.com. And check out the daily goodie there. Daniel, I don't have a direct link. Sorry about that. (laughs) Andrea says that she helps them with what appears to be just about everything. season content, scheduling, guests, recording the sessions, editorial content, decisions. Daniel, you may have to take over reading. uh, (laughs) Script narration, like everything. Wow, Andrea, that is stellar. Uh, What an incredible offering. As we draw this to a close, I think we've gotten some great stuff out of the chat, questions as well as comments. But we do have to do our Poddex question of the day. So I I have five cards here. None of us knows the question we're going to be answering yet. I haven't even read them yet. So Chris, I need you to ask me or pick for me a number from one to five.
2: Is this going to be an audio question?
0: This is going to be a question we have to answer live.
2: All right. Um, Five.
0: Number five. Oh, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) It's nothing to do with podcasting. Which band or artist, dead or alive, would play at your funeral? I'm going to have to go with The Grateful Dead. Not because I ever really listened to them, but because I can't think of anybody more qualified to play a funeral.
1: The name fits. I had a, a friend in high school who wanted another one by Sedus played at his funeral. But for like a little serious answer, um, there is a band called Ludo. Really small kind of uh, cult following out of St. Louis that I've been listening to since high school that my wife and I just love. We go to every show we can. So yeah, probably them.
2: Chris? So I not only know the band, I know the song. Yeah. It's definitely Tool and it's definitely 46 and 2 because that's literally my my favorite band and my favorite song of all time. But that song is also about moving on to the other side, passing through your shadow, moving on to the other side. It's deep lyrics, really good.
0: I've watched a couple of videos about Tool and like their use of polyrhythm and polyharmony, but I never really got into them as a band. So that's that's an interesting choice.
2: They're a deep band. It's hard to listen to Tool casually, right? Just have it on in the room. Then it doesn't really make sense then because of the odd time signatures. And it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not simple, but it but when you actually focus and listen and you get sucked into it, then they become literally the greatest band in the world, meaning among other great bands,
0: them and in, uh, in excess, right? No, oh. <laughs>
2: just kidding. Rush.
0: I do like some Rush. I mean, I I realize they only. Never mind. Nerd time. We'll talk <laughs> about music stuff later. We gotta we gotta bring this thing home. Before we do, though, I want to say first off, Carrie, we missed you. This is what happens when you can't make it. So please, <laughs> please be able to make it because not only did everybody have to deal with us live, but also Alejandro has to figure out what to do with this mess to turn it into a podcast. So Carrie. We missed you. For those watching or listening, if you want to find Cary, yahyapodcasting.com.
2: Hi, Carrie. <laughs> 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 I haven't talked to you in a million years, but so hi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Espinger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com.
2: I'm Daniel
1: Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. And Chris?
2: Yeah, podcastengineeringschool.com. This has been wonderful. I love you guys. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you. Before we go, I know Chris isn't going to do this, so I'll plug him. Chris has an amazing program that Brian has gone through. I've always wanted to, just never made it, made the commitment. But podcast engineering school is a fantastic program. The next semester starts April nineteenth, twenty twenty two, and also another plug that if you are in the podcast editor academy, you can get seven hundred dollars off using the program or the link or whatever in the academy. So if you remember the academy, you can get seven hundred dollars off. So okay, here you go. If you are interested in the course? You can go during that semester the what is it five hundred dollars a year for the academy something like that i don't remember yeah so sign up for the academy and then you're making money back already definitely and because we haven't had enough
0: calls to action to make dave jackson mad just yet (laughs) (laughs) we're doing at
1: the end so it's okay right
0: yeah i do appreciate dave i really do i'm like i'm not trying to throw him under the bus because this is us but if you are thinking to yourself hey I would like to be a guest on that show because I either think I could bring some serious knowledge to those numbskulls, or you're thinking, hey, I'd like to talk about a business problem and see if they can help me out. Podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. There's a little form there. We've got it specially built. So as soon as you fill it out, it goes to Daniel's spam folder. He'll check his spam folder, find your email. We'll reach out to you, see if we can get you scheduled, all that kind of stuff. If you joined us live or if you're listening, thank you for being here and putting up with all of this. We really appreciate you and yeah, Chris, thanks for joining us also.
2: Thanks everybody. This is wonderful.
0: Who's going to hit end?
1: <laughs> uh, so um, How much is that? Um,